You know, you're going to get what you expect, right? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. We rejoice in you. Hallelujah, Father. We just thank you for your presence. We enter into your gates with thanksgiving. Hallelujah. And we come into your courts with praise today. Hallelujah. There's no place we'd rather be than in your presence. So we rejoice in this opportunity. Hallelujah. To come together, to, to hear the word, to hear, to, to receive revelation, to get direction. Hallelujah. To be strengthened, to be filled up, to overflow. So Father, we thank you that we are in this moment and this time because this has been established from the foundation of the world that we would be here right now. So Father, I thank you that we're intersecting with destiny today. Hallelujah, because we are in the right place at the right time. Hallelujah. And the word says that we should pray over our leaders and pray over our nation. And so let's 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 join in agreement in praying over our na- nation. Father, we as a church lift up our nation to you today. Thank you, Father, that we can be a constant voice in the heavenly realm over this nation. We pray pray we pray prayers of faith today that you can work with. To bring about great changes in the political scene of this nation. We declare in the mighty name of Jesus. Mighty is the Lord who is the victor. Victor for the destiny of this nation. We have asked for this nation, Lord, as our inheritance, according to Psalms 2. You are the Prince of Peace in this nation. You are the Lord of the harvest and you will reap your declared will for this nation. We declare that foundations are shifting and shaking in this nation. We, the church, are your instrument to execute judgment on the works of darkness in this nation. We are the force of light invading this nation. Now, as we pray in the Holy Ghost, in our heavenly language, we thank you. You answer our prayers with your divine intervention, with your supreme intelligence. I declare as we pray in the Spirit, your angels now go forth working together with our prayers to affect all this change that you have predestined for this nation. So let's pray in the Holy Ghost in unity over this nation. You are the Lord over this nation. You are Lord over this nation. You are Lord over the political atmosphere of this nation. Hallelujah. Darkness, you, you draw back. Darkness, you go back. Light goes forth. Light goes forth and, and reveals darkness. Hallelujah. Whatever in darkness, I thank you that you're bringing to the light. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father. Every bit of confusion and every bit, every bit of strife, you cease. Hallelujah. Confusion in this nation. Hallelujah. It goes back. And I thank you for, for eyes to be open. Eyes to be open. Hallelujah. Eyes to be open over this nation. Eyes to be open. Ears to hear. Hallelujah. To see truth. To see things. Hallelujah. That this nation is prosperous. This nature, nation is going higher and higher in its destiny, in its purpose. Hallelujah. I thank you that as a nation, we will continue to be a, a source of resources to the rest of the world in finding 
finances, in the gospel, in revelation, in insight, in protection, in peace. Hallelujah. I thank you that we take our, our God-ordained place as a nation. Hallelujah. We thank you for it. Hallelujah. Can you rejoice him over that prayer? Can you rejoice in him over that? Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Father. We also rejoice in, in other nations, South Africa and Canada, and we rejoice other nations represented here, that God is moving in your nation. Hallelujah. God is manifesting in your nation. How Everyone say amen. amen. Say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray over our president. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. We ask, we ask Father prayers on behalf of Donald Trump today. Hallelujah. We ask prayers personally for him. Hallelujah. We ask prayers for his physical, emotionally, strength, and stability. I thank you that you are directing him in the way that he should go. Hallelujah. We ask the Lord to give him wisdom and insight and all that he must accomplish for the good of this nation. For the good of this nation. Hallelujah. 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 For the good of this nation. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We often ask the Lord and we thank you for removing any men or wicked men or women that would, would, would hinder your work. Your work. Hallelujah. 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 We're not exalting a nation or a person, Father, but we're coming line for your work to be accomplished in this nation. Hallelujah. We thank you that, that he is always in the right place at the right time. I thank you that he has wisdom and insight, and I thank you that he follows the still, small voice. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Pray in the Holy Ghost over him, all that he has to accomplish today. Oh, we're praying the perfect will for him for this week. The per- everything that he has to accomplish this week, as we pray in the Holy Ghost, things are aligning. Things are aligning. And as they align for him, they align for this nation. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Because it said, as, as we pray for our leaders, it says, it will go well with us. It will go well with us. It doesn't matter who's who's in that office. It goes well with us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, hallelujah. Can you rejoice over that? Can you agree over that? Hallelujah. Thank you that you are working in our president. You're working in him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Let's pray over Dr. Savell. Hallelujah. Father, we lift up Dr. Savell and Miss Carolyn now to you. We thank you that you're taking care of all his personal aspects of their life. We declare that they are blessed in their marriage. They are blessed in their family life. Their children are blessed. Their grandchildren are blessed. We thank you, Father, for all the revelations. Hallelujah. That must come to him for the body of Christ at this time. And we draw on that gift. 
We thank you for the things that he's imparted to our lives. And I thank you that as he continues to grow in revelation, we pray that others will hear the revelations and the insights, Father, that he has poured into our lives. Hallelujah. I thank you that we pray that he would be delivered from wicked and evil men. We declare that no weapon formed against them would prosper in any way. We declare they're healed, healed, they're whole, they're prosperous, and they're walking in their dreams. They're walking in their dreams. They're walking in the fulfillment of what you established in their lives from the foundation of the world. And nothing is hindering them in any capacity. We thank you for it. And we rejoice in it. And we declare, Father, that, 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 that great things are happening. Extraordinary things are happening then. Hallelujah. So let's pray in the spirit over our founding or over our apostle. Corrabaya, Indolomo Corramaya, Ikonama Shongonde, or Ramandele Kisho Roboso, Zoka Ribikia Torrabaya. Oh, Father, we thank you that you're sending finances. You're sending finances to fulfill everything that you've called them to fulfill. Hallelujah. Every assignment that you've given it, when they step into it, I thank you that the finances will be there. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for wisdom, wisdom and direction and guidance, Father, to lead not just this office, but all the offices around the world. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, and we rejoice in all that you have for them. Hallelujah. Can you give me a shout of praise for that? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Oh, and Father, we thank you for our time together this morning and this afternoon and tonight. Hallelujah, we ask, show us your glory today. We thank you today as a day of marvels and wonders and extraordinary manifestations of the greatness of our God. Hallelujah. You know, the word says in Acts chapter 13, it says, when they ministered unto the Lord, it said the Holy Spirit spoke. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When they ministered unto the Lord, you know, you know, a lot of times, we, even as ministers, we have to be, be be cautious that when we approach the throne of God, we're, we're approaching it to worship Him, not because we might have a need, or not because we're, we're, we're trying to figure something out, or, or trying to obtain something, or believing for something. Sometimes there's a, there's a moment that, that, that the very thing you need to do is minister to Him. And when you minister to Him, all that you have need of will be taken care of, Right? We know that. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto us. So take a moment to minister unto the Lord. Just just out of your own heart, minister to the Lord. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness. We're so honored that we get to reverence your presence and reverence this time with you today. We thank you for it. We thank you for
tell him, I know this because he's changed me. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, shake hands again with 27 different people that you shook hands with yesterday. Amen. Praise God. Love you. Good morning, sir. Good morning.
Give her my love. Yeah, I will. That's All right. All right, praise the Lord. Let me shake hands with this guy. Hey, hey, man. <laughs> Good to see you. Hallelujah. Good morning. Good morning. All right, praise the Lord. I'm happy. How about you? Glory to God. It's good to be happy. It's good to be full of joy. It's good to have no fear. It's good to not have to worry about a thing. Amen. Glory to God. Don't worry about a thing. One of my pastors up in you know, New Jersey, don't worry about a thing. You know. Hallelujah. I'm learning stuff from all over the world. Hallelujah. All right. Uh, let me make this announcement. I need to make sure. I am preaching here this Sunday, right? Okay. I have to get permission to preach here. <laughs> okay. If you are able to stay over, I'm going to be talking about the prophetic word for 2020, praise God. So if you can stay over, I encourage you to be here. Somebody said, I can't stay over. Tell me now. No. <laughs> All right. Praise the Lord. And then uh, this morning when I got up and began just praying about the service this morning. The Lord reminded me of some things that he said through me during the course of this year in various places. And uh, I had them transcribed. They were words from the Holy Spirit. And this first one occurred in June, June the 14th, while I was Joe and I were preaching in Anchorage, Alaska. And he just told me to share this with you and hope that it will inspire your faith. As I was uh, preparing for the service that night in Anchorage, I heard this in my spirit. And he said, a blessing explosion is about to take place. And he said, not only in the church where I was, but this is for the body of Christ all over the world. A blessing explosion. He said, financial blessings are coming in ways in which you have never experienced before and from sources that you've never even come in contact with before. Start expecting it and get ready for more and more surprises. Your God is working behind the scenes even now. Hallelujah. Lift your hand and say, I receive that. Amen. And then later in... Um, July the 25th, during the Southwest Believers Convention, and I was to preach uh, on Thursday evening of that meeting, and about 2.36 that afternoon as I was praying, something happened to me. I had a vision from the Lord, and I just want to share it with you. Many of you were in that meeting, I'm sure, and heard it, but the Lord just prompted me to bring it over here and share it with you this morning. After I finished preparing my outline for tonight's service, I laid down to take a short nap 
And the moment I closed my eyes, I saw a vision. Things were flashing before me so rapidly that I could hardly keep up with it all. It was much like what I remembered when I was in college in the early 60s, and I would go to the library, and I would look up articles from old newspapers. They called it microfilm. They had a machine, and and it was microfilm, and you'd turn some buttons and all, and when you turned it on, it just went flashing across there, all these newspaper articles from years back. And I was always interested in old boxing matches. And so when I finished everything I had to do that day, I'd go over to the library and I'd get on that machine and, and look back to the earliest boxing matches that the newspaper clippings had recorded. And I'd sit there and read them until they run me off. But I remember when I turned the machine on, everything would just flash by so fast. Now, the reason I'm saying that to you is this. When I, in the vision, everything was moving so rapidly, I could hardly keep up with it. And finally, I asked the Lord, I said, could you slow that down a little bit? And when I asked the Lord, what is this? He said, it's the abundant harvest that I promised, and I'm in a hurry to bring it to pass. Hallelujah. Now, Brother Copeland had prophesied that 2019 would be the year of the abundant harvest. So the Lord said, it's the abundant harvest that I promised, and I'm in a hurry to bring it to pass. Didn't I say in Jeremiah 1.12 that I hasten my word to perform it? I said, Lord, can you slow it down so I can see it? And he did. I saw finances. I saw land. I saw houses. I saw buildings. I saw equipment, I saw cars, I saw trucks, I saw airplanes, all the parts and the equipment to maintain them and keep them in first-class condition. I saw cameras, I saw television equipment that was state-of-the-art. I saw businesses, I saw new inventions, and then everything began to move rapidly again, and I couldn't make it out anymore. It was so much. It was more than enough. It was above and beyond before it was finished, and I heard the Lord say, Tell them again, my covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has come from my lips. Obviously, I couldn't nap anymore. I got up and began to shout and praise God, and then I preached about it that night. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This is the year of abundant harvest. Amen. And it's coming rapidly. Lift your hands and say, Lord, don't let it pass me by. Say, I receive it. And give the Lord a great shout for it. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right. Let me get into this morning's lesson now. I want you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. You remember our theme is going for the extraordinary. Going for the extraordinary. Acts chapter 19, verse 11, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and diseases departed from them, and evil spirits went out of them. Now the Amplified says, and God did unusual and extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. So what are we doing now? We are going for the extraordinary. Hold your hands up like this. Say, my hands hands are anointed anointed. just as Paul's hands were anointed. 
God uses my hands. He told me, lay my hands on the sick and they shall recover. So I'm expecting from here on out, when I lay hands on people, unusual, extraordinary, and special miracles will happen in the name of Jesus. And give the Lord another shout for it. Praise God. Amen. Now, the Passion Translation, and I really like this. Listen to this. God kept releasing a flow of extraordinary miracles through the hands of Paul. God kept releasing a flow of extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. And that's my theme this morning. We're going for the extraordinary, but what about a flow of the extraordinary? Hallelujah. A flow. Hallelujah. That sounds interesting to me. I won't end on that. How about you? A flow. Say it again. I want you to get it down in your spirit. A flow of extraordinary things and extraordinary miracles happening in my life and ministry. Amen. So first thing I want us to emphasize is the first three words of verse 11. And God wrought. The Amplified says, and God did. God wrought, God did. So where's this all coming from? God. Amen. And thank you, Brother Keith, for reminding us in your sessions about the importance of us showing reverence to God. Amen. And not, not allowing people to get focused on us. It's, it's, it's their focus should be on God. We are nothing without Him. Amen. That's the first thing I learned 50 years ago, and I've never forgotten it. I am nothing without Him. However, I got Him. <laughs> Amen. I have Him. And with Him, we can do all things through Christ. Amen. But notice it says, and God did. So, what God did, He's capable of still doing. Can you say amen? You read this and you think, wow, God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. Man, I wish I'd have lived back then. Well, is God dead? Is God done? You know, I remember him asking me, uh, I was in Baltimore preaching in this church that was all born-again Jewish people. And I'd never been there before, and, and a pastor picked me up at the airport. I'd flown up there on the commercial airlines, and... and uh, he picked me up, took me to lunch, and then to the hotel. And uh, he was talking to me about how that every member of his church were born-again Jewish people. I said, well, how did you find out about me? He said, well, I have a friend named Sid Roth. And he said, uh, and I know Sid. And he said, uh, I asked him, who would you recommend that's a Gentile <laughs> to come talk to us Jewish people about covenant. He said, Jerry Savelle. He said, and so that's why I asked you to come. And so I was very honored by that. And uh, so we had the service that night, had a wonderful service. Then afterwards, he wanted me to go out and eat with his family, he and his family. And so we didn't get back to the hotel till nearly one o'clock in the morning. And I had to get up early and catch another flight up to Philadelphia. And, uh, so I'm hanging up my suit, putting things away that I didn't need the rest of the night. And I had, I had made a, a, 
declaration to both my staff, to my wife, to Keith and Phyllis Moore. Keith had asked me, I had, I had sewn my airplane that I was flying at the time into Brother Copeland's ministry. And I wanted him to use it for his children and grandchildren because they were all out preaching. And so I gave him my, my Citation 500 Eagle. And uh, after I sewed it, I thought, well, I don't know if I'm going to be involved in aviation anymore in the way of owning one. I've been owning airplanes since 1975. And uh, I thought, well, maybe... Maybe I can slow down a little bit now. Maybe I can enjoy the fruit of my labor a little bit now. And maybe I don't need to fly as often as I needed to do in the past. I've pretty much done most of all what God's told me to do. So that was my reasoning for not believing for my next airplane. And Keith had asked me, Brother Jerry, what are you believing for? I said, well, Keith, I don't think I'm believing for anything right now. And... uh, so I had made that statement to that pastor in Baltimore that night at dinner. And he had been a, a pilot. And uh, he said, well, uh, I guess if you don't need an airplane anymore, you're not believing for one. I said, no, I don't think I'm believing for one anymore. Well, I got back to the hotel and was hanging up my suit. And the Lord said, what did I tell you in 1969? I said, well, you said a lot of things to me in 1969. What are you referring to? He said about aviation, airplanes. I said, well, you told me I wouldn't be able to fulfill what I'm called to do without airplanes in my ministry. He said, are you done? I said, pardon me? He said, are you through? You leaving the ministry? I said, no, I'm not leaving the ministry. He said, then what makes you think you can do what I've called you to do without airplanes now? I said, well, apparently I can't. He said, well, why aren't you believing for your next one? I said, excuse me. I am now believing for my next one. Praise God. (laughs) Amen. Amen. And then it wasn't long, you know, we went back and we were with Brother Keith again. And and, uh, I said, well, Keith, you know, Brother Copeland and I looked at the Citation Mustang. And at the time we looked at it, it was a brand new airplane. And it's a small business jet, but you can fly it almost at the cost of a, of a prop, you know. And uh, I thought, well, maybe I'm not going to be going long range, and it doesn't have a lot of range on it. It's economical. And I thought, well, maybe I'll just go for a Citation Mustang. And Keith kind of went, huh. <laughs> Thank you, Keith, for not paying any attention to me. <laughs> And so, and so um, later, now this is may, probably three weeks later after that Baltimore experience. And um, Keith calls me. He said, Jerry, Brother Jerry, are you sure you're gonna, you, that Mustang is going to be the airplane for you? I said, well, I don't know. I just... When Brother Copeland and I looked at it, I kind of liked it, you know. But he said, well, Phyllis and I have been praying, and, and we're believing for uh, a bigger airplane, uh, one that will take us intercontinental and so forth. And said, you know, I have this Citation 5. He said, and we'd like to sow it into your ministry 
as part of the seed for the plane we're believing for. And said, would you receive it? I said, I've never even heard of a Mustang. <laughs> That's a car. I don't want a car. I said, would I receive it as a Pope Catholic? Yes, I would receive it. Now, this is a whole lot bigger airplane, a whole lot faster airplane, a whole lot better airplane. And so he said, well, we want to sow this into your ministry. And so uh, they flew it down to KCM during the minister's conference, I believe. And, and uh, we all laid hands on it and prayed over it, men, Keith and Brother Copeland and so forth. And when I got it, the Lord said, put a plaque in the galley and call it above and beyond. Amen. Amen. So I did. It's in there right now. Above and beyond. Now, here's the beautiful part about the rest of the story. Before he sold it to me, we had a board of director in Australia. That's on our board in Australia. He had sold a business, and he wanted to give a portion of the tithe from that business into our ministry. And he didn't want it to go into the Australia office. He wanted it to come to the U.S. office. And he designated it for Brother Jerry's aviation department. And he sent a check for half a million dollars. Hallelujah. So we already had the half a million dollars in the bank. Now, that wouldn't buy the kind of airplane I needed. And it wouldn't even buy the Mustang. But now I don't need it because Keith sold his airplane into my ministry. And he said, no, it's, it's good. You know, I mean, you can fly for quite a while before you have to do anything to it. Well, I thought, well, before I even start flying it, why don't I just go ahead and do what I'd eventually do and not have to wait and let's do it now. So we took it and had a new paint job put on, put new state-of-the-art avionics in it and uh, did what inspections needed to be done and so forth. And when it was all done, it cost half a million dollars. Now, this was the first time in all these years that I've owned airplanes, that God gave me money to upgrade it before he gave me the airplane. Amen? I usually I got the airplane and then I had to believe God for the money to upgrade. It was just the reverse. I'd call that extraordinary. I'd call that unusual. I'd call that special. Amen? Hallelujah. And then, you know, just recently we completely redone the interior in it and uh, did all the inspections and we completed the avionics on the co-pilot side so they're not having to reach back and forth. And now I have the finest Citation 5 in the sky. Hallelujah. And it's all paid for, praise God. Hallelujah. That's a special miracle. That's an extraordinary miracle, praise God. Hallelujah. Makes me smile every time I tell the story. Makes me shout every time. Somebody help me shout. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, this is right hot off the press. Nobody but my wife has heard this and Keith. I told him last night. I have been believing for quite some time. A long time. 
for a Falcon 50 EX for all my international travel. Now, this plane that Keith sewed into my ministry, it's got a range of between 1,700, 1,900 nautical miles. So that, that won't get me international. In fact, if I tried to fly it to Hawaii, I would land in the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> and that's not good. Okay? <laughs> so, and by the way, after I had that miracle in my body, you know, he's talking about healing brains last night. Boy, did mine ever get healed. Amen. You know, total memory loss. Don't even know my family. And then in just a matter of a few weeks, I was up preaching again and traveling all over the world. And glory to God, I have absolutely no symptoms of, of, a, of a major stroke. Hallelujah. Amen. And so uh, we've been believing for this Falcon 50 EX for quite some time. And um, it came from a reliable source. Now, you know, sometimes people walk up to you and say, Brother Jerry, I want to be the one to buy that airplane. And you grin and you say, well, thank you. I appreciate your, your uh, desire to do that. But a lot of times people just say things, and they're really sincere, but a lot of them, they never come through. Anybody been in the ministry more than a year? <laughs> I like to say, if everybody who ever promised to do something for my ministry financially kept their word, I wouldn't have to receive another offering till mid-millennium. Huh? And, and while Brother Copeland and I were in D.C. just last week, a reliable source, I know this man, I know his integrity, he said, Brother Jerry, God's laid it on my heart that I'm to be the man to buy you that Falcon 50EX. I said, if you insist. <laughs> I learned that from Brother Roberts. Hallelujah. Amen. And he said, Brother Jerry, I'm serious. I said, I know you are. And I said, and coming from you, uh, I'm already shouting, praise God. He said, and I'm hoping it'll, it'll happen before the end of this year. I said, bring it on. Glory to God. Hallelujah. This has been a year of abundant harvest. It's been a year of marvels, wonders, and extraordinary manifestations of the greatness of our God. And John, if it does manifest by the end of the year, I'm going to be flying it to South Africa in February. Amen. Praise God. Glory to God. I think I'll shout a little more. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <clears throat> well, what if it don't come by the end of the year? Hey, this is a reliable source. He's not. In fact, he told me three different times before I left that meeting. I am not playing around, Brother Jerry. I am serious. I said, I know you are. And then when I got ready to leave, leave uh, with Brother Copeland uh, after the meeting on Saturday night, uh, I waved bye to him and he went, I said, I, I got the interpretation. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. That has been a dream 
for at least, well, all the way back to about 1992. You've been waiting that long? Yeah. And God is faithful. I keep hearing him say, and I'm making it happen for you. Isn't that right, son? I'm making it happen for you. Praise the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, God's making things happen for you. Don't take your eyes off God and give him all the glory for it. Amen. Praise God. So notice here, God did. God wrought. Let's make sure we keep our focus on God. He's the one that does this. He's the one that makes it happen. It wouldn't happen if it wasn't for him. That's been the story of my life for the last 50 years. If it wasn't for God, I probably wouldn't even be standing before you today. But God. Somebody shout, but God. Once again, and God did unusual and extraordinary miracles. In the Passion Translation, God kept releasing a flow of extraordinary miracles. Man, I'm hanging on to that. A flow of extraordinary miracles. You know, we, we've experienced extraordinary things from time to time. But what about getting in a flow? That sounds like frequently. That sounds like unending. Hallelujah. Unending miracles. Unending extraordinary things. Hallelujah. Well, you know, we're getting closer and closer to the appearing of the Lord Jesus. And I believe God's accelerating things. Hallelujah. You know, he says in his word, there will come a time when the harvester will overtake the planter. What's that mean? Boy, he's accelerating, speeding up things. Glory to God. And that's where we are right now. So once again, let's focus on the fact that God did this. God did, and God still does. Now, what did he do? Special miracles? Say it with me. Special miracles? Unusual miracles? And extraordinary miracles? That's from these three translations. Say it again. Special miracles, unusual miracles, and extraordinary miracles. And what are we doing this week? We are going for the extraordinary. Amen. Praise God. So let's, um, let's take a look at Isaiah chapter 42. And while you're turning there, let me, let me just give you a couple of definitions here. Flow means continuous, uninterrupted, and superseding all previous miracles. Glory to God. I like that. How about you? Continuous. You get in a flow, it's continuous, uninterrupted, and superseding all previous miracles. Amen. Now, the little Greek here says it this way, that God wrought special miracles. The little Greek says, no common works of power. In other words, it was all new to them. They'd never seen anything like this before. I've seen a lot of miracles. I've experienced a lot of miracles in 50 years. Joy and I have seen miracles all over the world. Hallelujah. But God is the God of new things. We haven't seen all that he can do. Can you say amen? Let's go to Isaiah 42 where he states that. 
Isaiah chapter 42, verse 9. Behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things do I declare. And before they spring forth, I tell you of them. So notice God is the God of new things. We haven't seen everything he can do. We haven't seen everything he wants to do. Remember 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9? It said, I hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared. Another translation says, make, has made ready. Another translation says, prearranged. God's already prearranged things that we have not yet experienced. Things that we have never yet even seen. Hallelujah. He's the God of new things. I, I, I like to say, I, I, I'm believing for new things. Say, I'm believing for new things. I serve the God of new things. Amen. Nothing common. Now, you know, just average miracles, that's good. <laughs> just common miracles, I wouldn't turn them down. But I'm open for new things. Hallelujah. Praise God. <clears throat> you know, I remember years ago, <clears throat> when, when I first left Brother Copeland's ministry and launched out into this ministry, and, and uh, God just did miraculous things. I mean, I had my own offices before I even left Brother Copeland's office. And they were fully furnished. A man that I had met, he had been a businessman, and, and uh, he said, uh, Brother Jerry, you're, you're, you're leaving Brother Copeland's ministry. And he said, I have some offices that I've been leasing. And he said, and I'm retiring. And he said, uh, I have about a year left on the lease. And he said, uh, if you'd be interested in the offices that I have, uh, you can just take over the lease. I'll contact the, the owners. You can just take over the lease. And he said, and everything in it is completely paid for, and I'll give it all to you. So I walked out of Brother Copeland's office, December the 31st, 1973, walked in my new office, January the 1st, 1974, fully equipped, everything. They left the typewriters, they left the uh, everything, copy machines, everything. And it had about, what, four offices and then a, a... good sized warehouse to go with it. I opened the door January the 1st, 1974 and walked in my new offices. And I'm the only one there. So I got to pick which office was mine. And I took the one that was his. And it had the desk, the chairs, the file cabinets, everything. He even left his pencils on the table, on the desk, his pens, everything. Rulers, paper clips, everything. I mean, I didn't have to buy one thing. And so that day, I spent the day in my office. And then I got up and sat in another office. Then I went in there in the work area and walked around. And it wasn't long after that, I hired my first secretary. She was the daughter of a board of director that... that I had met uh, some time back, and and he and I just developed a a close relationship. And he was a businessman, and his daughter had just graduated from high school, and she became my first secretary. 
name was June Stocks. And uh, I remember the day June walked in. I said, now, June, this is you, your office here. You're going to be the receptionist. You're going to wear a lot of hats, girl, because you're the only employee. <laughs> then I took her to the workroom. Brother Copeland, had, he had bought new duplicators for his cassette tapes, and he gave me the ones that I used to run to make his cassette tape, and he gave me all that, so it's all set up. I got duplicators. I got recorders. I got everything. I don't need a thing. He even gave me the sound system I used to set up in his meetings. I got the sound system. I am ready for action. Hallelujah. So I took June into the into that work area where you did the tape duplicating. I said, now, June, I want to teach you how to duplicate tapes. This is what I did for Brother Copeland. In addition to everything else I did for Brother Copeland. Like, like Buddy Harrison used to say when he worked for Brother Hagin, he said, uh, I'm we Harrison. When Brother Hagin says, we going to do this and we going to do that, I'm we Harrison. <laughs> well, I was we Savelle over at the Copeland Ministry. <clears throat> and so uh, <clears throat> I said, now, June, this is very important. I want to teach you how to duplicate cassette tapes. And so I took her in there and I put one on the, on the machine, you know, and, and uh, I showed her how to record it, how to duplicate it. And then we would take old cassette tapes with messages on them that maybe didn't sell in the meetings or something and had been around for a while, you know. And I'd say, now, what we do is we erase these and we put a new message on it. And I showed her how to put it on the eraser. And you run it across here and then you turn it over and run it back the other way. And I said, now, this is the most important part, June. And I gave her a little broom about this, you know. And I said, now, June... Get that trash can and put it under this table. And you sweep all those erased words off the table because we don't want loose words hanging around in here. (laughs) She looked at me. I said, I'm serious. So she took her broom and I said, try it. And so she just. (laughs) So one day, one day I came in and she was in there and she just a sweeping. And I got so tickled I couldn't stand it anymore. I said, June, I was just kidding. There's no, there's no words laying around on the table. And then my first, my first male employee was a man by the name of Charles Neiman. Charles has an awesome church out in El Paso. That's where he was from. But he moved from El Paso and he was my first male employee. And then, uh, and then I eventually hired the man who supplied me with the office and the equipment. And he became my office manager. And then shortly after that, I received my first airplane, a little Cessna 310. And it turns out my office manager had 20,000 hours flying. And he had flown 310s. He used to own a 310. Hallelujah. I mean, is this not the favor of God? Is this not extraordinary? You, you, couldn't, you couldn't write a script like this. Amen? I should have been in the movies. I mean, this is, this is what God did. He was doing extraordinary things, and he's continued to do so for 50 years. Now, that's just a sample of some of the things he did in the early days. And I've experienced extraordinary things for 50 years. You would think if you've been experiencing extraordinary things for 50 years, then God couldn't come up with something new. 
Oh, yes, he can. And he is. And he's working behind the scenes right now, praise God. What do you suppose he's working on for you? Oh, that ought to bring a shout, praise God. Just how big can you think? How big can you dream? How big can you imagine God's working on something right now that's bigger than that? Hallelujah. Give him another shout, praise God. Are we going for the extraordinary or not? Amen. Praise God. So notice once again, new things do I declare. And before they spring forth, I'll tell you of them. I like to say, if you're in the know, you'll be in the flow. Amen. If you're in the know, you'll be in the flow. I don't like being the last person to find out what's on God's agenda. I don't like being the last person to find out what God is planning. I like to be an insider. Amen. I like to be an insider. And here it says that I, before these things happen, before they spring forth, I'll tell you about them. Now that's one of the aspects of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, when he comes, he'll not only lead and guide you into all truth, but he'll show you things to come. Amen. He'll show you things to come. So we shouldn't be in the dark. We shouldn't be the last people on the planet to find out what God's up to. We should be the first people on the planet. And especially preachers. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you now. Amen. So I'm ready for the new. I thank God for everything he's done in the past, but the past is past and we're on to the new now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And there's some extraordinary miracles on the horizon, praise God. And I'm going for them. How about you? Amen. These are new days and new things are about to spring forth. Now, let's go back for a moment and rehearse some of the things we talked about in the previous two sessions about how do we position ourselves for the extraordinary miracles, the extraordinary things. Number one, we talked about how we think. Think bigger. Think bigger. Number two, get rid of negative thinking. Get rid of negative thinking. Number three, believe bigger. Dare to believe bigger. Don't limit God is number four. Don't limit God. Go to Psalm 78 with me real quick. We read yesterday how that they limited the Holy One of Israel. And if you read Psalm 78 closely, it's somewhat of a synopsis of the history of God's dealings with the children of Israel up to this point. And he said in here that God did astounding things and marvelous things, extraordinary things. But even though they were part of it, they experienced it. They, they, they were apt to forget about it, particularly when another challenge came, when another impossible-looking situation arose in their lives. They forgot his power. They forgot his hand, it says. They didn't remember that the last time they were facing something impossible, he delivered them from that. He got them out of that. But now they're facing a new impossibility, and they forgot. They didn't remember 
this, they should have thought, hey, the God we serve is the God of the extraordinary. He's done it before. He can do it again. Amen. But they kept forgetting. And he kept having to remind them. And they kept forgetting. And then they began to think small. And they started talking negative. Now notice in uh, uh, verse 20. Behold, he smote the rock that the waters gushed out. This is after they had left Egypt and so forth. You know, the Red Sea experience. I mean, if you had been one of them at the Red Sea, would you ever forget that Red Sea experience? You are walking across the Red Sea on dry ground and the waters are heaped up on both sides and you're walking through there seeing this? I always like to say, there had to be one Gomer Powell in that group. <laughs> Don't you know one of them said, you know, a Hebrew Gomer Powell? Shazam, golly, look at yonder. <laughs> <laughs> they walked across on dry ground. The water's heaped up on both sides. They reached the other side. And then they watched the Egyptians come in with their horses and chariots. And God closes the sea together. And swallows them up. Would you ever forget that? They did. They did. And then, you know, they started singing and shaking their tambourines and dancing and shouting over the, uh, the, uh, the Lord has swallowed up the, the armies of Egypt and, and boy, they're shouting and dancing and rejoicing. And all that shouting and all that dancing and rejoicing makes you hungry and thirsty. <laughs> they don't have any food. They don't have any water. They started murmuring and complaining again. And some of their descendants are alive and in this room this morning. <laughs> what happened in verse 20? Behold, he smote the rock that the waters gushed out. So what did he do? A miracle. He got water out of a rock. <laughs> Would you ever forget that? <laughs> but no. They got hungry. Why did he bring us out here to die? They forget constantly what he'd already done. And then notice what it says in the latter part of verse 20. The waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. But now they started asking dumb questions. Small thinking. Negative talking. Can he give bread also? Can he provide for this people? Is that the dumbest thing you've ever heard? Yeah, but can he do this? And can he do that? Uh, you would think at least one of them would have stood up and said, Hey guys, we just come through a Red Sea. Have you forgotten already the miracle of the Red Sea? Yeah, but can he give bread and can he give water? They limited the Holy One of Israel, verse 41 says, and they did so through their small thinking, their negative thinking. Amen. 
They're forgetting the hand of the Lord. They're negative talk. And God, you know, he, they would provoke him, but because he's love, he still try to work with them anyway. Isn't that amazing? Hallelujah. Well, we know better. I mean, how could I ever doubt? When I told you about yesterday, uh, in yesterday's service about 69 and him telling me that I wouldn't be able to fulfill what I'm called to do without airplanes and the story about the airplanes, 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 fly, fly, fly. How could I ever doubt God's ability when he has blessed me with nine debt-free airplanes over the last 50 years? How could I ever doubt that he wouldn't do it again? For me to doubt God's ability to get me an airplane would be an outright sin. (laughs) Why? Because he's done it over and over and over. For me to doubt that God could get me the finances to run my ministry would be an outright sin because he's done it over and over and over and over. I started to tell you earlier, years ago, uh, when I first moved in that, that first office we had, and, and, and I started believing then that one day, and, and I, didn't have, I didn't have but maybe three partners the day I moved into that, that office, and, and most of them were relatives, and two of them quit on me. <laughs> and uh, I started believing then, someday, somebody, is going to put a million dollars in this ministry all in one check. I started saying that as far back as 1974. And, of course, it didn't happen right away. It didn't happen in the next couple of years. And, and of course, the ministry began to grow and so forth. And they, the staff would hear me talk about it, just about nearly every staff meeting. Someday, somebody's going to put a million-dollar check in this ministry. Now, there had been people that had given over a period of time, a long period of time, and if you added up everything they'd given, it would have been a million dollars. But I'd never had anybody do it all in one check. That's what I was believing for. Amen. And so a man came to me a few years ago, and he said, Brother Jerry, you knew my dad well. He, he thought the world of you, and he said uh, he loved you and Brother Copeland, and and, uh, you know, he blessed your ministries uh, from time to time whenever the Lord would lead him and so forth. And I said, yeah, your, your dad was a fine man. I really enjoyed knowing him. And he said, well, you know, when dad died, he turned the business over to me. And he said, at one time, this business was a booming business. And, and dad and the family was extremely wealthy. And uh, he said, but after dad passed away, he said, the, the business has started going down while he was still living. And then when he died and I took it over, it got even worse. And he said, uh, in fact, we, we are, we are, we're in uh, the need of a financial miracle right now, a breakthrough, a major breakthrough. And, and I met him at a wedding. I was talking to him at a wedding. And he said, now, I got a hold of your book called From Devastation to Restoration. And he said, and I've been reading that, and I'm on my third time of reading it. And he said, my faith has been inspired. 
And he said, uh, I'm going to keep reading it, and I'm going to keep reading it and keep reading it. And he said, Jerry, one day this business is going to recover, and it's going to bounce back like Daddy had it, and even better. Amen. And he said, and I'm going to see to it your ministry's blessed when it happens. I said, well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that, and I didn't doubt the man. And so it wasn't long after that we got a, a, a check in the mail for $300,000. The business was bouncing back. It was coming back. $300,000. Wow, praise God. That's a, that's a good offering. Amen. And then it wasn't long after that we got another check for another $200,000. And praise God, he said the ministries, I mean, the business is coming back. We're going from devastation to restoration. Amen. And then it wasn't long after that, another check came in for about $350,000. Hallelujah. And then long, not long after that, uh, this over about a course of maybe two years, the man had already, through increments of $250,000, $300,000, whatever, he'd already given a million dollars in two years if you add it all up together. In fact, it was $1.2 million. And I had them to make a copy of these checks so I could put them on my desk and I'd lay my hands on them and pray that, that this man's business would just continue to, to, to reach new levels. And then one day I came home from a series of meetings and he called me. He said, can you come to my office this morning? I said, yeah, I can come to your office. I said, uh, is it the, the same office your dad used to have? He said, yeah. I said, well, tell me again where it is because I hadn't been over there in a long time. Actually, I hadn't been in the office at, at all, but I, I knew where his dad's office was. And he said, yeah, it's the same place. And he said, come over this morning. And I said, okay, I'll be there. So I went over that morning. Now, in the meantime, our accounting department, all the ladies in the accounting department and all the ladies in the, in the mail room and so forth, they had begun declaring that they would be the one to open the envelope that had the million dollar check in it. I said, no, I will be the one. They said, no, Brother Jerry, well, I'm going to be the one. Ain't that right, Gloria? They'd, they'd say, no, I'm going to be the one to open that check. And I'll bring it over and show it to you. you know. And so it was kind of a, a game we were going, but we were serious at the same time. And so I went over there that morning, and this guy's a cowboy. He's a real Texan. He's tall, and, and he'd wear that cowboy hat all the time, had them Wrangler jeans on and the big belt buckle, and and. I walked over there. I mean, I got to his office, and he took me into his private office. And he said, sit down, Jerry. And I sat down behind his desk, uh, in front of his desk. And he sat down in his desk, reared back, put his cowboy boots on top of the desk, and went to talking to him. And he said, "Uh, I just want you to know, praise God, God's turned this thing around. And then he took an envelope and just pushed it over in front of me. And he said, now, don't open it yet until I call my wife in here. And so he called his wife in there, and, and we greeted, and they just stood there, and he said, Now, open that. I want to see the expression on your face. <laughs> I opened that envelope, and there's one million dollar check, praise God. One million dollars. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, 
needless to say, I had a reaction. Hallelujah. (laughs) And then as I'm driving back to the office, I called the office and I said, emergency staff meeting. (laughs) So we had a staff meeting. They're all in there. And I said, uh, uh, today we have received. And I'm the one who opened the envelope. I said, I want you to see what a million dollar offering looks like. And I passed it around and let them all look at it. Passed it around. And Joe spoke up and said, Brother Jerry, the Lord just told me we just broke a barrier. Million dollar checks are not going to be rare anymore. They're going to become the norm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, I had to dream bigger. That's already come to pass. A million dollar check. So we're going for bigger now. We're going for, I mean, that's, that's, that's common now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So now we're going for extraordinary. Yes. We're going for the new thing. Hallelujah. Yes. Are you with me this morning? Yes. You know, once you, have a, once you have a breakthrough, don't settle for that. God is the God of the breakthrough. He's the God of the new thing. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Amen. Glory to God. So what do we do? We think bigger. We get rid of negative thinking. We believe bigger. We stop limiting God. But there's another thing that we hadn't talked about yet that I want to cover this morning. Let go of the past. Brother Keith talked about it. Let go of the past and... Focus on the new thing that God wants to do. Focus on the new thing that God wants to do. Now, you know the Apostle Paul. And remember, all these extraordinary miracles happen in his ministry. So, when there's somebody who is familiar with the extraordinary, has something to say, I got my antenna up. Amen? Amen? And notice what the Apostle Paul says, and I believe this is a vital part of moving into the extraordinary. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth under those things which are before. So apparently there are things ahead that we haven't reached into yet. Would you agree with that? And Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind, I'm focusing on what's about to happen. I'm focusing on those things that God's prearranged for me. Things I haven't seen yet. Things I haven't experienced yet. That's where my focus is. Now, if you keep hanging on to the past, then it's not likely you'll Grab the future, <laughs> the, the, the things that he has prearranged for you, praise God. Now, listen to the Passion Translation here. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all the past and I fasten my heart on the future instead. I'll read that again. I do have one compelling focus. I forget all the past 
And I fastened my heart on the future instead. Now, that would include if he's going to forget the past or he's not going to focus on the past, you could say. It's all those miracles he experienced already. Now, I bring them up from time to time for inspiration, for uh, challenging people to continue to trust God, you know. But I'm not hanging on to the past because I'm believing for the new things. Some of the things of the past help inspire people's faith. Amen. But, but I'm not dwelling on the past and saying, boy, wouldn't it be great if we, we lived back there again in those special days? Come on. You know, when I came into this in 1959, mm-hmm. the charismatic movement was just beginning to experience some momentum. And it was some exciting days. You remember those days, Keith? They were exciting days. I mean, the church that Carolyn grew up in, it was a, it was a Pentecostal church. And yet, at the same time, it was a non-denominational church because after that charismatic movement began to explode, Methodists, Baptists, Catholics, everything you can imagine started coming to her church because the gifts of the Spirit were in operation, because they believed in the Holy Spirit, believed in speaking in tongues. And, and Sunday nights, man, there was miracle night. I mean, there were things happening on Sunday nights that just make the hair stand up on the back of your neck and take all week to get it to lay down again, you know? And, 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 and they believed in miracles. Her pastor, Jack Moore, he traveled with William Brennan. His best friend was William Brennan, uh, 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 Gordon Lindsay, and, and he had all those men in his church back in the early days. Right after John Osteen, he'd been a Baptist preacher, got filled with the Holy Ghost. He came to their church to tell about that experience. So they were, they were involved in, in a lot of this early day outpouring because his pastor was involved in it. They saw it. And then when I got saved and I started going there, uh, I would experience things I had never seen before. Amen. I remember a lady, what was her name, Carolyn, that used to come with the singing group? Uh, Nancy Harmon. Anybody heard Nancy Harmon? Nancy Harmon had a singing group, a group of young people, and she traveled all over the country with them. And, and they were all Holy Ghost people. And when Nancy Harmon, we could hardly wait for Nancy Harmon to come. Because, boy, she would have a service. I mean, they'd sing and they'd praise God. And she had an awesome voice. And some, she'd have some of the young people get up and testify and, and, and preach a little bit, you know. And, boy, there was healings that would take place. And, and I remember under her ministry, it's the first time I ever fell out in the Spirit. And I'm, I'm seeing people fall under the power of God. I didn't know what was happening to them. I thought they were fainting or passing out or something. And I'm standing there, and she come and just waved her hand in front of me and then laid her hand on my forehead. Next thing I know, I am out on the floor and people said around me, it sounded like my head when it hit the floor. It was, it was not a carpeted floor. It was, it was a wood floor or tile or something. It sounded like a 45 went off. I never felt a thing. <laughs> Come on. Amen. I, I saw new things. Hallelujah. And then from that day forward, man, 
It was new things in my life happening all the time. I started preaching in the streets of Shreveport, Louisiana. No church wanted to hear a word I had to say yet. I started in the streets with alcoholics, drug addicts, prostitutes, and we were having such miracles in the streets that they started bringing some of the biggest drug pushers in our city to our house to get them delivered. I remember one night they brought one young man over there. He was stoned out of his mind. He didn't know where he was. And I laid hands on him, and he was standing in, in a little ways from the corner of the living room. I laid hands on him. Power of God picked him up, slammed him into the corner of the living room, and he slid down in the floor, got up, talking in tongues. Hallelujah. And to this day, he's pastoring a cowboy church right outside of Shreveport, Louisiana. Amen. I mean, there was, there was uh, uh, awesome miracles that took place. I had a Catholic priest come to my house one day. He said, I hear you're filled with the Holy Ghost. I said, yes, sir, I am. He said, they tell me you, you speak in tongues. I said, I do. He said, do it. I said, you want me to speak in tongues? He said, yeah. I said, okay. So I started speaking in tongues. Then I stopped and I said, is that okay? And he said, you mean you can do it anytime you want? I said, sure. He said, do it again. So I spoke in tongues. And, and I said, is that Okay. I said, what can I help you with? He said, I want what you got. Then he got down on his knees and did all of that, you know. And, and I thought, well, when in Rome, do as the Romans do, you know. So I said, I bless you, my father. And he got up speaking in tongues. And then he went to his mass and started preaching on the Holy Ghost and having healing services every Sunday, praise God. Amen. So I've seen some things. How many of you can say, I've seen some things that you haven't seen at all? You haven't seen at all. What do you suppose after all we've already seen? I mean, when I think about some of the miracles I've seen, that little spastic girl, I live with that dream. In my, I live with that in my mind. A little spastic girl in Columbia, South Carolina. 12 years old and act like she's four years old. Had no control over her. She just did like this all the time. And just this saliva come out of her mouth. It was the most horrible stench. And, and they'd bring her to the service and sit on the front row. And I'm preaching and that little girl just moans and groans. And all this saliva falling out of their mouth. They were constantly having to wipe her face, you know. And one night the Lord said, carry her around while you preach tonight. Now, she was the size of a 12-year-old, but she acted like a 4-year-old. She had never learned to talk. She never fed herself. She was totally dependent upon her mom and dad. And he said, carry her around while you preach tonight. So I walked over to her mom and dad, and I said, told her what the Lord said. I said, can I carry your daughter around while I preach tonight? Sure. I took her in my arms. And she was heavy. You know, I mean, she's a 12-year-old. And I held her in my arms. And I kept having to switch back and forth. And that saliva coming out of her mouth got all over my suit. It was almost unbearable to preach that close to her mouth, you know. And I carried her around for nearly an hour. She urinated all over my suit. She had no control of her kidneys or bowels or anything. It was not a pleasant sight. And then I gave her back to her mom and dad. And in the natural, didn't look like a thing had happened. 
But that night, and they came back the next morning to tell this story. That night, yeah, makes me cry when I think about it. They heard a no- they they would put her in a bedroom near their next to their bedroom, and they had to put her in a crib so she couldn't get out. And they put her in there that night, turned the light off. They went to bed, and a couple of hours later, they heard a noise. They they knew the only other person in the house was her. They walked in there, turned her bedroom light on. She wasn't in the bed. They walked through the house trying to find her, and she's sitting in the floor in the kitchen eating a bowl of cereal that she made for herself. She'd never fed herself, never spoken. And she looked up and said, Mama, I was hungry. And they all began to shout and rejoice. And then they brought her to the service that next morning, totally, completely cured. Hallelujah. A walking miracle. How could you ever forget that? How could you ever forget that? The next year I went back to that church, stayed another week. And a young teenage boy had had an accident in an automobile wreck. And, and, and was never to be normal again. Brain damage. And his mom and dad would, and, and friends would carry him in there and set him on the back row. He couldn't walk on his own. His brain was not functioning. He was like a vegetable. And every once in a while he just groaned. And the Lord told me one night to go back and lay hands on him. I went back and laid hands on him, prayed. In the natural, didn't see a thing happen. Just like that girl the year before. But that girl, this time, sitting on the front row all by herself. Hallelujah. So I'm, I'm looking at a miracle the whole night I'm preaching there. Every night I'm preaching there. And now this guy, sitting on the back row, had to be carried in. And, and I went back and laid hands on him. And in the natural, you couldn't see a thing had changed. But the next night, I'm sitting on the platform with the pastor. And I'm just looking down at my notes. And all of a sudden, I heard somebody say, Brother Jerry, look at me. And it was that young man walking down the front to show me that God had healed him during the night. Praise God. Hallelujah. How can you ever forget that? It took me weeks to even get it out of my mind. I was thinking about it all the time and rejoicing in it. And I still do every once in a while think about it. I see that kid. I see that young girl. But God says, that's the past. I got some new things on the horizon. What do you suppose we are going to see? Come on, give the Lord another shout. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Amen. I have one compelling focus. I forget all the past. And I fasten my heart on the future instead. No matter how glorious your past has been. It's past. Get focused on the future. Get focused on the new things that God's about to do. Let me just read right from my notes. Make a flow of extraordinary miracles a fixed reference point in your mind and in your heart. Let me say it again. Make 
a flow of extraordinary miracles, a fixed reference point in your mind and in your heart. Align your thoughts with this. Align your words with this. And align your actions with this. And refuse to waver. Focus is a must if you expect to experience a flow of extraordinary miracles. Jesus answered the religious people one day, religious leaders, when they had rebuked him for healing on the wrong day. And he made this statement from John chapter 5, verse 17. And for the sake of time, I'm just going to read the Passion Translation. Every day my Father is at work, and I will be too. Every day my Father is at work, and I will be too. He was completely focused on the fact that God was always working. When's the last time you focused on that? I, I, I've preached many times a sermon I call God's working behind the scenes. God's working behind the scenes. Don't get focused on what's not happening. God's working behind the scenes. Don't get focused on what is happening. God's working behind the scenes. Hallelujah. See, I didn't, I didn't know standing there in that closet and Baltimore, hanging a suit up, that God was already working in Australia with one of my board of directors, and he'd already sent a check for a half a million dollars. But God was working behind the scenes, already prearranging for me to have the cash money right when I needed to do all the upgrades on the airplane, in addition to giving me the airplane. Thank you, Keith. You've been such a blessing to me. You and Phyllis both. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, listen to this. Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas have been beaten and they've been thrown into prison. And my point of reading this in just a moment is one of the best ways to stay focused is by maintaining your joy and continually praising God. Maintaining your joy and continually praising God. Continually praising God helps you to get your eyes off your circumstances and putting them on the God in whom nothing is impossible. Amen. I never, I never spend quality time praising God and then walk away sorry or sad or disappointed. Praise puts you in the presence of God. And in His presence is fullness of joy. Amen? So, Peter, I mean, uh, Paul and Silas have been beaten, thrown in prison. You know the story. In Acts chapter 16, 25 and 26, the Passion Translation says, they were undaunted and sang songs of praise to God. Now, this, this sounds like what Paul said in Acts 20, 24. When the Holy Spirit had told him in advance, every city you go to, you will experience bonds, afflictions, all kind of adversity. And what did Paul say? None of these things move me. I love that. I've, I've, I've uh, made that one of my most famous slogans. <laughs> None of these things move me. 
Hallelujah. Undaunted. The Passion Translation says, which means unshaken. Undaunted by the fact that they're bloody, they've been beaten, they're in prison, and it's midnight, and yet, in the midst of all of this adversity, they are undaunted by their circumstances, unshaken by them, and they sang songs of praise to God. And suddenly, that's one of my favorite words in the Bible, suddenly, suddenly, a great earthquake shook the foundation of the prison, and all at once, prison doors flung open, and the chains of all the prisoners came off. Notice, Paul, in whom special miracles were wrought, extraordinary miracles were wrought, yet he had the ability to say, that's the past. Now, he was grateful, obviously, for God using him that way. And it wasn't something like he couldn't remember it. But he was always reaching forth to the things that God had in store ahead. And notice, extraordinary things just kept happening to him. He got in a flow. How many of you want to get in the flow? Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, I want in the flow, praise God. And then take it to a higher level and say, I am in the flow, praise God. Amen. The more you praise God, the less impossible extraordinary things look. The more you praise God, then the less and less impossible extraordinary things begin to look. You'll begin to get a glance, uh, a, a clearer vision of being in a flow for the extraordinary. Now here's my last close. <laughs> Daniel chapter 2, verse 20 through 23. I won't take the time to turn there. But Daniel began to bless the Lord. It says he blessed the name of God. And God revealed to him the deep and secret things. Wow, that's interesting. When you're praising God, you position yourself for God to share with you deep and secret things. Would you suppose some of them might be those things arranged? Those things that he's planned for you? Those new things? The more we praise God, the more it's revealed to us the deep and the secret things. Hallelujah. Then Psalm 50 verse 23 Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me, and to him will I show the salvation of God. And the Passion Translation says, More of my salvation will unfold to you. More of my salvation will unfold to you. And one of the meanings of salvation in the little Hebrew is the sum of all the blessings bestowed by God. <laughs> the sum total of all the blessings. It's all wrapped up in one word, salvation. The sum total of all the blessings, hallelujah, will be bestowed to you. So I ask you the question in closing. Does it sound good to you to get in the flow of the extraordinary? Why don't we go for it? Praise God. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Father, we lift our hands today and
praise and adoration to the God that is an extraordinary God. The only God who is an extraordinary God. No other God comes close to you. And we give you praise, Heavenly Father, for all you've done for us up to this time. Thank you for a glorious past. But that's not where our focus is. Our focus is on those things that are coming. We are determined to get into the flow of the extraordinary. And we'll give you all the praise for it in advance and afterwards as well. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for it. We praise you for it. And somebody shout, I receive it. Amen. Shake hands with at least two or three people and say, let's get in the flow. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, real quick, we're going to take about a 15-minute break. Uh, but just to let everyone know, um, after uh, after this next session, we will be having a meal for everyone next door. But one thing we are requesting, if you have a yellow highlighted badge, uh, it represents your alumni. And so what, we're all, what we are asking is that we'll let them go first because we want to make sure, because Dr. Solo will share a few things with them. But we do have seats prepared for everyone, but just encourage that. So go ahead and take about a 15-minute break, and we'll see you soon.